0: How's it going Mob? Thanks for popping by to have a bit of a listen to this pod I did with Annie Carolyn Briggs or Narweet Carolyn Briggs depending on how you know her and I'll let her explain the two differences later on and it was great to have a bit of an insight into her upbringing and some of the difficulties that she went through and how she came through the other end and ended up having this drive to do so many great things for community and in community and still doing great things, and also got to get a bit of an understanding of how she goes about the sharing of culture, sharing of Boon knowledge, and especially was great to have a bit of a yarn with her as she was recently inducted into the Victorian Indigenous Honor Roll, and for good reason. So I hope you enjoy this instalment of Who's Your Mob with our wheat Carolyn Briggs.
1: Um, well, my name's uh, Carolyn Briggs. I, I've um, just relinquished the name Auntie because I needed to ground myself in what is um, what is an elder. An elder is something that is um, inherit and also ex- acknowledged through your communities. And many communities have done this, but my original community was Willem of the Baudenwarang language group. I also had my connection to Wemba Wemba through my grandmother and through my great-grandmother was um, Wiradjuri uh, from the Ingrams. Then I also have my connections to the Tasmanian because of John Briggs. So, but I'm born in Melbourne, grew up in and around Melbourne, and um, so it's been a long journey of placing where my heritage and my and my my sense of my own being within a community.
0: And how do you go about finding your ancestors and? where all these mobs are from?
1: It did, just didn't happen. You ju- when I grew up on Mullaman, because when I was born here in Melbourne, I went home with my, my cousin uh, was taking me home because my mum wasn't expected to live. So she took me to mum's sister, her younger sister, Auntie Margaret, Auntie Margaret Nicholson that lived up on grandfather's land, who bought land up in Mullaman on his wife's country, and, uh, but my mother recovered, later on to came, but I was firstly introduced to my auntie, and uh, but it was just, a, that's your mum. Uh, but it was family, and it's assumed knowledge. Everybody was your aunties, and everybody was your cousins, and you just grew up happy. We were on the other side of the river, we never saw there was a distinction. Even though electricity and all that was the other side, our side, but my grandfather got burned out in the Black Friday and uh, they made makeshift camp that we all lived on, five acres on Millamon. The the, um, different groups, family groups, Smiths and um, Edwardses all lived there. Um, so everybody, it was just assumed that that was family. That was your community. That's laughter, get water up from the river. It was, the boys did that, they go and fish. They brought that, we chased rabbits. It was just life, uncomplicated. Um, and then my father got work down in Gippsland. So then we moved to Moi. And my father worked in the powerhouse. Oh no, he worked on the lands department. And then he had his massive accident. And, um, then I was struck down with polio. So my mother had two invalids in living in the house and trying to survive. Lucky my brother was in work. My older brother that kept his small young family and us until my father was able to recover and I recovered because she put a lot of energy into me to keep me massaging, moving me, keeping me warm. But it was filled with stories. And uh, trying to look after her husband. and um, The stress, I think the stress was Taken its load over the years, I realised later, and then all the people that used to call in to our ha- home, and I didn't realise till later on that they were the welfare. Yeah. Yeah, Jackamoss, and like all of these people were a part of the checking on you and families. Mm. I remember Alex because mum was very close to his wife in um, Swan Hill when they were working up in Swan Hill. So it was this relation. And then the Walshers lived up on in Elizabeth Street further away. But that relationship, the old Joe Walsh and mum from Swan Hill, you know, they'd yell out, hey, Swan Hill, and then they'd have their card games, and my dad and mum. So it was always that family. And then all the black fellas called my mum, auntie. So more cousins. They're all the same colours as my cousins up there. So I... it's that assumed knowledge. When somebody calls you auntie, everybody knew. There was the Hoods, the Thorpes, all of these people moving in. And I still because they could see my mother, a little black woman. My oh, auntie. auntie. Yeah. So that perception or that Knowledge. You don't realize till you get a bit older. Not all of them were relatives. Yeah, right. So just blackfellas, family, I think. Yeah, yeah. Community. Um, and I had a pretty diverse community because there it uh, Italians, Greeks. So I think my journey began when, when did it begin? leaving Maui to come to Melbourne to work, realising I needed skills, and I could only get jobs in factories. And they weren't the most pleasant processes. They talk about it now, but it was more violent and abusive all the connotations, what they talk about, discrimination and sexual discrimination, and all of that was probably the forefront of the impact of working in these factories, you know. And people had their own aspirations because they were migrants and were willing to work that hard and deal with the oppressive behaviour of the culture in those sorts of institutions or factories or the life of, so but wasn't my bag, so part of me was wanting what my mum was always saying education was gonna lead me out of those sort of processes, but it didn't happen till I was about of my 20s, and I decided to go back to school. And I had two kids and I was, all... I was in Ringwood, went to Croydon High, but I realised I'd missed chunks of my learning. And um, I thought, no, this is not really where I could deal with going back to school, doing science and biology. Yeah, 11 and 12 when you dropped out at year eight. Mm. Um, They accepted me in as an adult, but a bit overwhelming. You had two kids in a high school and you couldn't quite fit. Wasn't my social network either. And at that time, neighborhood houses were being established. And I remember Nata Wadding was my opportunity as an adult, young adult, to go and learn skills. The only things that were happening um, for Aboriginals to get training were secretary, hairdressers, childcare, those areas. So I took up childcare as a kindergarten assistant. And then I went and um, did my diploma in mothercraft and childcare at Paran because the person at DAA supported me to go and um, do a course at night. And then they put us into Ali Lucas, the school of (laughs) modelling. So we'd be confident out there. So all of us went off and did that and then um, we could get jobs in kindergartens. So it didn't stop there. It, I grew and then I um, went to Eleanor Kumulantza's at Melbourne Uni and uh, she suggested I uh, work at that establishing a, pre, a, a childcare centre at Melbourne Uni. But there wasn't any opportunity at that stage, so she sent me out to Monash. And that's probably where my world opened up, seeing other black academics. I was out there with Kevin Gilbert. I was out there with uh, Colin Johnson, Mundururu. I was out there with um, the old girl. Um, It's a long story, but this is how it gets to it um, Kevin Gilbert and Ujiru Kath Walker. So my world was being, growing out of this whole, wow, 60s, 70s model of the movement. So we were introduced to Marcy Langton, Gary Foley, like I said, Kevin Gilbert and I worked together being able to see these writings, these people producing, listening, my world scaffold and elevated that there was a... a, this emergence was occurring. So Colin Burke had me out there as um, looking at setting up Black Studies lunchtime, where people would come and Learn about indigenous cultures around the world, but some of them floored me. <laughs> I was I didn't know that happened It's so Marcia sort of and this other guy from Western Trump. Wah. and then um, so it was learning and then um, Learning about political activism from Gary Foley <laughs> um, That was a journey um, he was an angry person, yelling, and then I met Reg Blow, who was being a part of there, because he was running the the District Co-op, and that was only a three months position out there till we got that lifted on the training dollars, you know, and he said, I want to set up a childcare centre, says Reg. I said, oh, I'm trained. And he said, oh, I'll give you a month to get it off the ground. We won't know money, but we'll get it going. We'll give you a vehicle to get around. And I thought, wow. Here was my first stage of establishing a childcare centre and an adult education, because I learned how to work out ways that I had to attract the mums to attract the children. Beryl Wilson and two kids from Wilcannia, I was able to get them training dollars to help me. And then I had to negotiate with churches and that to see if they give me a building to run these day events so that mums could go and do, adult education programs in a safe environment. So when Reg came back, we had new offices, we had a place we were happening. So that month, a lot of conversation, a lot of networking with family groups that traditionally were connected to me. So it's the networking of families, how I was related how they relocated from Denelequin and uh, Cumra to go down to Dandenong, the Walkers, the Charleses, all of these people relocated for sports and employment. You had the Holden factories, you had Heinz, you had gas and fuel, you had all of these industries emerging and blackfellas could go there, get jobs, they could, their kids would be involved in the sporting so that connecting and I'm Carrie's daughter rah 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 this is how this all the families kept networking how we all fitted because I could get into their homes and network to help young mums be involved in this childcare mother's club we set up raise money wash clothes and sell them at markets. And I made toys because that's what you learn when you're doing childcare. You make toys, you write books, you learn storytelling. So it was ways of teaching families to be a part of this whole community process of childcare centre, community centre. But it was families, all families, just relocated. So it was a whole building of networking with families. And I kept that going for a while, but my relationship was breaking down. So I took off, went big grapes. Wasn't a good life for that sort of thing for my kids because we were moving from caravan to caravan or I lived with my cousin for a while, uh, Alice Clark, and a lot of kids. And my aunties were across the road. So it was still that family. And then I went across to Dett worked there. Um, picking grapes but I was hopeless as a itinerant worker. Blackfellas used to laugh at me, crawling through the grapevines, <laughs> picking grapes, and then the people from Inners Vale said, Well shut, gotta teach you how to pick grapes. <laughs> so it was good. There was a whole networking of Blackfellas. But it was always a genealogical. I fit and this is where my family come from. So there was a mind mapping going on. So how you fit. And then they heard that I'd set up a childcare centre but they had no money. So at this stage I moved back to Forest Hills. i got a house in Forest Hills. And um, Reg Blow rang me. He said, there's a job as a youth officer. This was the time when Ralph Nichols was setting up with David Goldpill, David Wurrapanda, all these names. Ernie Dingo, all of these people. And part of it was the performance along the river. Tribal dances. Who was it, what's his name, up in um, Castro. They were all working down here, they were all become motor mechanics but they were working on this, this is what Aboriginal culture was about, along the river, on the river Yarra. But David got this, he got seen elevated to amazing movies. The other one um, got also um, Channa Jimmy Blacksmith. Uh, and he was a cultural officer up at Camp Jungai. So a lot of things were scaffold from here, but your world was being overwhelmed by different groups and cultures and and people and, language and words and so I I had to go back out to Monash, set up the South Eastern Lands Council for a little moment which was also part of, yeah sorry, I went I came back got the job at Monash and then Reg rang me but I had that three months contract to doing the Southeastern Lands Council. And um, that's when I met another world, Michael Mansell, Heather Sculthorpe, Phil Beaton, all of the Tasmanian lot, and then all the other blackfellas from over, all around Australia that were mobilising for, like land rights. So we were emerging to look at challenging which then became ATSIC. It was before ATSIC. So this was all happening. Then Reg said that there was a job as a youth officer. So my world was picking up kids, learning kids, and networking. And then I realized I did have a lot of knowledge about these kids and where they came from. So that's part of that journey so, you don't realise all this knowledge is building, as being scaffolded in my process. And then it was my son going to law school that said to me, Mum, why didn't you hold language? Why didn't you do this? And then he put a bloody land use agreement, native title in. Then I got challenged. It took me three years, but I won at every level. Because I knew, I knew, I knew, and it's that knowing and being able to be proven that I have the original connection to to Melbourne and right down. So that's where the court. That's where these people challenged me with Yamaji and a some called white woman is made out she was a black woman. Took me three, three years through the federal court to the full bench, full bench knowledge, and they researched me. But I knew the stories of the sealers and ta- being taken to Tasmania, and how we came back and where we settled, that diaspora of the movements of our family lines, but it was always grounded was always about family and people and I didn't realise this till that whole process was going through and um, I was able to prove that Louisa was on water, that we come from Derribut and all of this so it was a big journey and yes there's still issues but it was something about a part of the history and Louisa's struggles and how she took on challenges up at Coranderrk and, and then it eventually on Comra Gunja. But, and the Argus wrote her up as the most resolute lady, um, an amazing woman. So, but her, how her children, uh, Had my grandfather fought for land rights back in 1870s with John Charles, his brother-in-law. Um, just mapping all that was just amazing, and then how Benbo set up a um, set up a um, petition to Batrobe for a um, rights to his land. Derrimut challenged his, for his rights to his land. Then later on. So it was all starting to make sense somewhere along the line. It was grounding me more. I knew all my other elements, but I didn't know what Melbourne was about, you know, our heritage and our history. And that I had an understanding, but I didn't know. We didn't name things as such, you know. And in the midst of that court case, I was setting up bush food restaurants running tours wanting people to come and sit with people out bush sitting around campfires because then i i got married again up in um when i went back to dirt about that was about um yeah must have been the 80s yeah after all this process i went back up there and I had to work in those communities. and Because I'd worked with Mill and Gimby, they had already adopted me in and they said, we have a responsibility to look after you. I didn't understand all that at that stage. Tribal, tribal. And they did the ceremony and they did the whole. And it was interesting, Mill and Gimby are really dark and the dead and Blacks are dark, but these were dark. <laughs> I was scared of him, and, and it was 700 blackfellas came out because my partner worked in, as a teacher up in. But 20 years he was the uh, Aboriginal liaison for the Riverina. So he worked on curriculum and studies for Indigenous kids in and around New South Wales. So it was a big ceremony. Big. And the children, my twins, came out of that one. They were the first in vitro twins, (laughs) so early in the 80s, three. Um, People, Foley and all them, grew up in the North Coast. That's where he originally came from. So it was all that sort of journey, I suppose. It was a different journey. So it was my son, he was working at Merambiak as the lead principal lawyer. He's the one that saw the vehicle in. Um, The next relatives were Bill Owners, Lynn Owners, Billy Briggs, Sol Belair, who else was there? Bob Mazza were fighting for the uh, Punarong claim. In that 60s period, and lost 71. They found a loophole. When 71, they lost the Bunurong claim, and then went to Canberra to set up the Ten Embassy. So there's been an evolution of um, a timeline of land claims. The next one was the Rundri Bunurong in 80s, but I wasn't quite there. And then it was building it that at 98, when we put, we were being challenged on the, on the land use agreement under native title. And I'm doing it again. I'm in the Supreme Court.
0: So it seems like there's a lot of different things that you've done in your life, and I guess it's all... I'm a kid
1: from the bush, I'm... but I had the strength of family. I think I had a strength of stories I think I had a, a, a strength of acceptance, people, acceptance, that they watched me process. And I think a lot of people saw that. The old Fitzroy days, all of these, when my mum, they all knew my mum, um, her singing, then playing, my sister was playing piano. My niece go to the music conservatory
0: so was My there, brother. So was there a sense of responsibility instilled in you to have a role in community where you're helping out with the child care center and you're doing a lot of research into history and also the restaurant as well?
1: There was a sense of responsibility of what is an elder. An elder's just not something that goes hello Artie. arty has got a lot of hard work to do. Artie's going to be the holder of the knowledge that has to distribute and be understanding her own identity in the whole schema of life in indigenous ways. Because it wasn't you never got money, you just knew you had a responsibility. One to look after young people. Two to ensure their safe passage. Three, you had to look out do I need to I need to know about food. We need to understand the genesis. I needed to understand the chunks of all what impacted on us. I lived under an Act, under the Protection Act, from that to 58. And then from 58 to 68, when the referendum and I became a citizen. But I thought to myself, why didn't we have those rights? I didn't understand all that I wasn't I was protected as well but I was the only one that was protected with the holding of the knowledge because my family my mum scaffold my process of learning and it was all about listening because you shut up and listened. you shut up and made, understood the intangible knowledge and trying to make it tangible. It was a different way of learning. It's an indigenous ways of learning. Now that I can name them, now that I'm aware, there's two ways of learning things. One is that very Western ask questions and go after it. The other way was a different way of seeing your world and how you can bring change to that world. And how you have to have that knowledge base of understanding your identity and how you fit of the, of your sense of your own being and that and then it becomes a responsibility and yes it was about respect and responsibility and that you give back so you're always giving back and you you tried to when I was working with kids and When I was working in communities, it was, I've learnt the knowledge of Western stuff, but how do we make changes occurring? It's not a four year plan, it's a life plan. And I think it's about the life philosophies of our elders that gave us those gifts that transforms into a story, or like metaphors or whatever, and you go, what was that all about? But you never questioned it. I did now, because when I lost my mum, there was no one else to give it to me. So I was looking for other old, older people. And every now I get snippets, snippets from people from South Australia, Aunty M Carpony or Aunty M Pinky, which her daughter married into the Nichols and the other one married into the Charleses. So it was all these people, and one married into the Murrays. So they were all people who came to Swan Hill. Or, and I remember them because they were part of my mum's story. Uh, Aunty Liz Hoffman and Aunty um, Mel Morgan or Giacomoz. They all had memories of something. So you scaffold that learning process by listening. I'd pick up the old girls uh, when I was a good public servant driving around, let's go fishing. They love fishing and I'd go to sleep because I was tired and they'd wake up with their fish and mutton flats and make Johnny cake and I'd wake up and all the stories would come out and we'd drive and we'd go and look at things. So it was that intangible making it tangible and my mind scaffolding that process of learning it wasn't in a book it was life it's our life ways bubby so it was always i go to my cousins it was always a story of well, how to protect yourself bid when you see something bid just keep going bid don't don't follow it be aware of what's around you all the time at mervyn He'd always drill this in my head. He'd marry Phoebe Kirby, you know, and he'd always... I was his favourite, and he'd be singing Slim Dusty all the time, guitar. And I was his favourite little cousin. I was the blonde, fair-headed one. I was the little... I stood out like a sore thumb, because all my cousins were really dark, but I was the, the baby. The blonde, curly-headed baby that they nurtured, they loved. It's a sister cousin.
0: And how do you find passing on knowledge now? You're a keeper of knowledge, and then you have community that.
1: I work with investing investment a group in West in Werribee, and I work with a group in in um, We started moving that. Wasn't at hand, In those, it was Yallock at Willem Festival, and it was a, an amazing. We we did drumming. The women did drumming. The men we made them draw, and we made done we made them come in and be a part of the ceremony. It was most, probably the most popular. We didn't have all the fancy. We we're probably on two two fifty an hour, two dollars fifty an hour, but we worked and made it happen. And it's the most successful festival we had at, at the at Willem. How far is going
0: back?
1: Oh, 15 years. And then it went to Wamanjika Festival. But they didn't quite get that process. Tandaram took it and, and built it by bringing in other groups. We just made these other groups up because there were community fathers that wanted to get involved. Okay, you'll be, you'll be Jara, you'll be... You'll be um, oh, well, Larry Walsh was in it, so you will be Tanwarang. This other father, the, all the fathers got involved. All the parents, the parents got involved. The mothers drummed, the children performed. A little baby was dancing, and now she's John Wayne's daughter. Uh, She's would taken it in a nappy. But it was everything the fire ceremony, the singing in language. They had to all sing Bunwarang language.
0: So is this. Uh, this has
1: been the, the outcome, has been the Tounderum.
0: So the Bunwaran Nagi, was that
1: already uh, been done? Yeah. And just grew. And then Mabi. You were there, I think, when he started to scribe, because then I went on and did language and linguistics mm. and wrote a book. And he used my words in the language to write the song, and then you guys if, ma- ha- make it happen yeah. into the lyrics.
0: Was the Bunwarang Na- Nagi just Bunwarang people, or was it just Aboriginal people, or was it open to? Whoever was...
1: Whoever was available. Mm-hmm. Some were connected, some were indirected. Some people wanted to fit. Um, just risk giving respect to the bon murang, Uh that they lived on the country of the Bunmurra. So it built from that. Everybody got involved. It was a community type project with Torch. Yep. Uh, um Jacob got funding and I got a little bit of money just going around talking about stories, how we would do this. That was the, that's the original Nargi, or what people call a corroboree, was the Nargi. So it was changing the language, tape, making it the center point at the festival in St Kilda. It was so successful, it built it built.
0: Yeah, quite interesting. Sir Kilda
1: was always the mobilizers for festivals. We used to do black cabarets, we used to do, bless my big black arts, Marie or Kim Kruger were the art officers and we all, it was a week-long festival, it wasn't one bloody day like it is now. It was events, film night, everything. We had cabarets, we had all sorts of great thing. We had Sailor Dan, we had all the singers of that period that, that were amazing soul singers, black ones. People would have little tables and candles, and you know, that whole uh, what's name, Vic Sims, all crooners that came down and did these events with us and everybody paid to come in. And we had food and drinks and that was my catering stuff. Uh, giving people experience of bush foods, design. I used to design my foods. I used to do all the theaters. I just took, I took leadership because I think that was my role. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. I didn't make it tangible till I made it happen. But, but the, that was already being transforming in me. Does that?
0: Yeah, yeah, no. That's, it that, was that's already
1: right. being, tra- I, not groomed, at transforming. I was ta- finding my own role, but what was that role of understanding? What is an Anawi? An, an Awi is the holder, the, the, the gift of giving it back, teaching. Looking at ways, if if I'm working with young people, now looking at new mediums to be able to... I'm doing a PhD on that. How do I make young people understand the process? I'll be working with mums and daughters in cooking. It's really sexist, but you know, (laughs) mums and daughters in cooking. I'll be... My responsibility is to young girls at this stage. I'll be going on young girls' camps and doing that long walk for the young women and mothers, mothers and daughters reconnecting. I'm planning all these events, learning technology. How do I do these podcasts that gives... I, I think there still needs to be a human interaction with young people. You, there's a way that you have to put back. And if it's song and dance, has been the first vehicle. They're moving these, investing in these young people for their future. We, we talk, we discover other things about each other. They go on camps, they go on camps. We invest in them, setting up scholarships, helping their parents build the aspirations. That we have a response, they live on country. If they're the gifts, that we've got to give back in this modern world, that's the process. If it's sporting by the best runners here, we'll invest in that kid. If they need to go overseas, we invest in that kid. Sent one kid to North Carolina to play baseball. I've watched his mum, another kid I've watched grow up, we sending her in to skiing. Will you invest in these kids? Another one wants to, she's a runner. She's Archie Roach's grand-niece. We've got to invest in her. We've got to open the opportunities up. That is to me is a responsibility, what you do for community. It's not a Western thing and it's not about welfare. It's about how you make, what we do in the foundation is to support the investment for our future. They're our investments. We've got to give them safe passage, whether it's in university or whether it's my life's on that journey now. There's ten of me now, meaning I invested in a lot of my students at the La- Trobe and, and, and they got through because I You just looked after them as the extended family model. It's always been the extended family model. They're my family. They're not my family blood, but they're my family. They'll always be my, they're in my life. They're not in and out. Um,
0: Can I just get back to the Bunwarang Nagi, just talking with people and then seeing how different people share and revitalize culture there are differing opinions as to how open to make it. You know some people like to keep it just within you know that specific tribe on country then some people open it out to other Aboriginal people, other people to the broader community. Just wondering in regards to what your feelings are with sharing knowledge and wanting to you know keep stories alive as to how open to I make think the it.
1: greatest tool is to reshape before they took now we share it with them with our kids in community because the that diaspora of moving around and relocating people have got have earned that learnt the respect that they must be a part of the community in which they live indigenous community which is Processing out for white communities. Maybe this is our time to make what is community. It's about family, it's about responsibility, it's about their learning. Um, And we share ideas. And I think maybe the colonisers did this sort of structure, but. But we've had to take the tools and turn it round back. Because all children need to fit and belong. And I saw that a lot when I was w- working with my kids, students at La Trobe and other areas. They tended to bring in the marginalised white groups into our group to look after them. So they had, that res- they had this thing that they had a responsibility to look after their cohort in uni. They're bonded to friendship. And now with all the curriculum and all the government policies, language and understanding indigenous cultures, I think if there was a lot more Koori kids in kindergartens and that, that we can reach out to, we can, we do, but you don't leave your friend behind, because <laughs> that's not our way. I don't even remember this white fellow had doored the ground my mother walked on. I know I'm getting off the track, but he was discarded by his white parents in the bush, you know, in Alice, way out somewhere in remote carrot did and he, and it was the black people who brought him up. Loved him. He could speak perfect language. And when he come across my mom, he was a house painter. When he come across my mom, he adored the ground she walked on. That was his family again, because he was removed from these wild blacks. They had him since then. He was left, he was discarded. Ningo could have eaten him. But you know what I mean? And they brought him up, grew him up. And he, his first part of his life, till he was discovered, because he had red hair and <laughs> really white, <laughs> he was so white, they, they removed him from that family. But he'd grow up to an age that he, that was his world, his knowledge, his language. But he had to come and be put in trade schools and things and re-educated or, what is it? When you take them out of camps and you're doing the re-education. What they did with
0: Assimilation or...?
1: Back into his white world. Whatever world that they thought he belonged to, but he belonged to those people.
0: So do you have a vision for...?
1: I have a vision that the more of our But our families are all scattered, darling. Some are taking their Jara family, some are taking their Nyapa family, some are taking Tanmarang because of their mother or their father. Uh, I watch it and I'm watching the movement and I'm going, but you're a part of this family too. Louisa and John had a big family. And some of them are twice married, so you know, with the Nelsons, the Jameses, all of these things, and you barap barap, but some are taking barap barap, some are taking jarra. I looked at my cousin, but she's also Rurundri as well as Bunurong, and you go. So they're slowly coming in, but they're also joining other things. So if if you're looking at Victoria, we're all family. If you look at the Ackersons, Nelsons, Coopers, they've all got Brinks, <laughs> Kelly's, uh, Clarks, Buzz Clarks, Bill Dura Clarks, M Clarks, Smiths, they're all related, I map them. But they decide their own, taking a descendancy from somewhere if they live in an area. Like Charles, Jack's Stake Jar Jar. Yet, his mother was Bunmura. His great-grandmother was Bunmura. My, my grandfather's sister. See, I'm, I'm closer to the pecking order than they are. Generational. You've got Taylors and he, Taylor's and Charles. But they're taking a the Charles side. Some are taking Taylors side. But that's okay. We all know somewhere where we fit. But they've got to know that they come from Bodhwara. So I'm mapping it all for them. It all depends what they want out of it, though. But if I could, I'm slowly grabbing those kids. The generations down the track are coming up and want to be a part of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think we were able to give a platform for the other co- groups to take take, take the, to the next stage with the Tandaram. And each community has to look at their own language, they have to look at their own, what their research of knowledge, because a lot of these people were Yorta Yorta. Yeah. Now all discovered they have a connection to the Nelsons and Jara people. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that's not right or wrong, you know. That's people's choices. I don't know. The foundation was set up to be the re- repository of the knowledge base, but also to look at how, what is the role and the responsibility of as an elder. And I think it's more than just being called an auntie that does welcomes. I think you know that's the phenomenon that came out of I first wrote my son it was only because I had to do it for Hansard in parliament and my son did all the language so I was the first to speak language. Um,
0: How far has this gone back?
1: Oh. Oh, my son was in law school. So he's 25 years ago. And we were the first to speak language on Melbourne. Joy did welcomes, but um, I did it in language. Now it's become, everyone does it in language now. But my son was, he was the, my grand my brother, my old brother grew up with Napa, my grandfather. my, my um jimmy jimmy, um, jimmy clayton and and Freddie were brought up by my Napa. So my brother had knowledge. My brother had all the knowledge of the markings. so he I said, Jason, I can't give you all that information. You have to go to my brother. My brother, my mum. I had my mum. My my brother had all the other knowledge, because Napa brought him up. Him and Jimmy Clayton.
0: I've got a question because uh, I guess in regards to language. Well, I'll give you an
1: example. You got uh, sorry. You've got um, Kevin Coombs. His grandmother is my mum's sister. She was she was um, Rosie Clayton, like Jimmy Clayton, Rosie Clayton. So one lot married Coombs. One lot married um, Moore, Moore, Another lot married uh, Egan. Another lot married uh, another group. So it was Moores, so, all these people that are related. Does that make sense? Mm. But they've they're gone watch a bullock because of the Coombses. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But it was my family who brought them up. Because if you look at Jimmy, if you look at um, Kevin Coombs' book, it's about my Carrie, my mum, It lived in Bell Reynolds. And he was shot and my mum and then I had to get him down to Melbourne. He was rotting away in Swan Hill Hospital. So my mum moved to Melbourne. Do you see how they saw the turns of events? All the blackfellas lived at what lived, but didn't come from Canberra because my, grandf- my my mum was born a moon of colour. So um, one lot went that way to North Melbourne, the other lot moving back down. Um, Barham and then to Melbourne for jobs. Uh, My mum and the Wurundjeri and all that, and Auntie March Tucker, all living around North Melbourne. We were always in families. And my mum lived in that family group. They all remember that, West Melbourne, North Melbourne the whole family, Mary Short, who turns out to be the grandmother of Jimmy Peters and all them, so, you know, these are all the stories. We keep scaffolding and connecting names and people and how we got keeping together. So for me, it's been that constant gathering or weaving, gathering and weaving and creating this amazing journey cycle. Yep. that I've been doing so sorry
0: yeah no that's right I'm just trying to be aware of time um, I guess the main question I need to have an answer for like it's the fact that I'm born and raised in Sydney although you know my grandfather's mobs you know Yorta Yorta and Ewan and then grandmother's mobs from Camilleroy country I've been living down in Melbourne for the last 11 years and Probably will continue to live in around Melbourne. Because you're a Melbourne. McGee,
1: you're McGee. Yeah. And your your great your great your fa- your grandfather's father was from Queensland, eh? Was from Queensland. No, middle. no,
0: we're from uh, South Coast, New South Wales. Oh, uh, so well, that's how that all yeah, well, connects. Wollongong Lake. Yeah, Lake. Yeah, that yeah.
1: makes sense.
0: Yeah.
1: Ah. Yeah. Got old photos of Wollongong Lake.
0: Yeah. So, so that I'm j- makes I'm, I'm,
1: sense, and the McGees are Peak Hill. Yeah, peak yeah, hill. So a lot of my rallies married into your rallies. Yeah, right. With um, Shane Charles, his mum's a McGee. My cousins married into McGee's and Nicholson's. Yeah, yeah. They married in. Oh, well, they're really Tereks. Mm. But, you know, that whole... Yeah, it comes in. So you would be part of the family anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: Even though you're born in Sydney, you've tracked your way back. There's elements of family. It it might be your birth, blood place, but it's your connection to people of place. Does that make sense?
0: Okay, yeah. Because our
1: family lines have crossed over and married into.
0: Hmm. Well, how does that work then with the... You
1: become part of our family.
0: Yeah, but then with the use of language. So if I'm wanting to write in language considering my history and where I am and where I intend to perform the music, what language should I be writing You're in?
1: part of our tool. You're a vehicle for, as a musician. You're a musician that you can craft song. Remember, we're trying to, I'm trying to remember sound systems. And I, it was never written, so it's now written because I wrote it. I'm the author of it. It's my authorship. But I keep it, it keeps evolving for me because I'm looking at it and go, oh, I've got it. Juggling it in my mind all the time because it'll evolve and adapt and move. Language does. So influences will. So you're a vehicle for the the instrument that we require to put it into What a resource that we require to into the modern. It, it, we're not drumming. We're we're getting the heartbeat. We're balancing that sound. The connection to place and people. Till we get our own musos, You you're a part of this, and because you're led, you're a part of the relationship too. You're part of the family relationship. You're brought in. You're not pushed out, you're brought in. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, not always with birth rights. You, you have your birth rights. You have your connection rights for his families, like the extended family model that I told you about. You, you are fitted. You adopt, like when I worked with Millingimbi. God, that was the hardest work I'd ever had to do in my life. And not hear it in English. And then hours I had to work on getting something out there that I had no bloody idea about. How to get bark. How to go out. How to get to make a a shade. How to get ochres. That's not in my kid of the 20th century at that period of time I had to learn and I and then I thought okay the tool was when they're up at Taggarty oh why are you cutting those trees down can you cut I need this particular bark and this is the dimension I what require because the Millingimbi artists on the bark wanted this resource You just have to become creative so and I said those branches I need to make a shade then they'd give me instructions how to prepare this bark because I didn't fit but I had to work to fit Mm. and then once they saw that I listened couldn't make sense of it all but I listened and watched I had to stretch bark, I had to sit out a <laughs> fucking... Because I was nobody. I was their tool until I fitted. And then that five hour ceremony, I thought they were all trying to sing me.
0: Yeah, so the, the... And I got
1: names and I got traditional name and I got responsibility because I earned it. I didn't was a white fella going into, I was nobody to them. I didn't fit in their schema of family structure. So I had to fit, but I had to prove my worth as a person, as a human. I'm Sure women don't do that job. But I, I, I used the, the forestry commission as my tool and then I had to work out the preparation of the bark so that they could use that as their art. And then getting twigs and getting clay and getting ochres and realising all that resource was in my country. You learn, there was no map, you learn. And that was probably my biggest lesson and, and, I, and, and that's when I learned a lot of things. I learned how to read art. I learned how to read the bark. They would constantly. It's like that rote learning. Just like when you're a child. Children were seen and not heard. You had to listen. You had to watch. And then this whole thing, when we'd sit around and they stayed with our... They stayed with my boys up in, because the Latchy Latchy Dance Group were the first ever dance group in Victoria other than David Goldpill and all that team. The Latchy Latchy Dance Group, because Donald Murrow, he stayed on as a gift back to my family to teach him dance, teach him song, teach him. oh Sam became a good ditch player, but it gave, gave ceremony back to them in an indirect way. So those latchy latchy kids, Peter Clark, all those kids just grew from that because they had elements of culture given back to them because no one else could give it back to them. So it was a gifted back to my family. That was his reciprocity of Giving me away as a wedding. In fact, he walked up to the, a white man in in um, Mildura, who did the last run into, because we set up the Mildura football Aboriginal football team, had to go and get the last supplies, rushed in, and then Donald had never met him before. Said, "Excuse me, sir," I'm like the world is that big. I'm looking for Carolyn. I've got to do her ceremony tomorrow. And he said, yeah, I'm marrying her tomorrow. I told my partner that there was someone and I believed it, but I thought, you know, and I could see the blackfellas in debt and frightened of him because they were dark, but he was darker, but how He stayed on to teach the kids over the river ceremony and as a gift back to my family because he was living he thought was our country but you know and and I they were privileged to learn all that. Yeah I've got to go. Does that help you? Yeah yeah
0: no it does. Uh, It's great to hear your story and yeah i I guess there is a a
1: responsibility Mm. there is a responsibility to keep learning Mm. it is a keep a responsibility to keep listening i go into different communities i sit and watch i don't need to ask questions the learning is in front of me i'm seeing it i'm hearing it i'm connecting with it it's like when i sit with land And with you, you're being gifted in as family because you have connections directly, indirectly.